and we're going to the 19th chapter. We're trying to finish up a little bit of thought of what what I read out of the book of Romans. And so we get over here, and the, most of the church has done seen this, and some of you may remember some of it. In verse 11 of chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, he says, And I saw heaven opened, and uh, behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Does anybody have any question about who that is? This is Jesus Christ. Amen. Because He's called faithful and true. And nobody Amen. can be called faithful and Thank true. You, In verse 12 it said, His eyes were as a flame of fire. Now everybody's going to go out and say, His eyes are a flame of fire. That ain't what it said. No. His eyes were as a flame of fire. They looked like it. It wasn't fire running out of his eyes. It just, he looked like it. Same description of Christ in verse, I don't know what verse it is, but chapter 1 of Revelation, when John sees the glorified, resurrected Christ. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. You know where you got them crowns, don't you? From the saints of God when they are judged at the judgment seat of Christ. That's where he gets them crowns. That's why we ought to be faithful. That's why we ought to be true. That's why we ought to live for God. That's why we ought to obey the word of God so we can gain a crown that he put on his head. Amen. I don't want to, I don't want to be left without something to give him. And then it said in verse number well, 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. I'm interested in that. I had, I, yeah. I've looked at this, but I don't know what that name is. And what about that? It'll be glorious, ain't it? Now, I want to show you something else. He said, And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood I mean his clothes were bloody and his name is called the word of God we know this is Jesus now look what's happened and the armies I want you to look at this and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses can we speculate who this is yeah I'd say the bride of Christ or the saints. All the saints that's coming back. Where are the saints in chapter 19? No. Uh, where are they? Oh, yeah, you said following. Well, they're in heaven. They've been in heaven since chapter 4. Heaven open. Huh? Heaven opened in chapter uh, verse eleven. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. In there it is. And in chapter four, it says, uh, "And a door was opened." Which one went in? And and here we find heaven open. 
That's the door out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We get a door in the glory. We get a door out of glory. All right. Now just keep in your mind, the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. And here's what they're going to be clothed. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and that just simply means righteous. White means righteousness. That's the redeemed church or the redeemed believers. And I got a little note put out here beside it. I said, heaven's cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the horses behind him. Amen. We're above him. We're going to be watching. That's right. Cheerleaders. We're not going to fight. No. Don't have to fight. Nope. The Lord wouldn't want us to fight. He don't need me to fight. He don't need you to fight. Now, he's got blood. That means he's been in the wine press, which it talks about here in just a minute. And uh, you see where we are? We're behind him. Now, do you know why he's going to stomp Satan under our feet? Mm -hmm. Because we're above Christ, uh, behind him. Amen. And we're going to the battle right here. Amen. And, And we'll read it again, verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. He didn't say, he didn't say, seem like or look like or as a sword. He had a sword. Just stop to think about that a minute. Let that sink in. That with it, he should smite the nations. What's he going to smite the nations with? A sharp sword. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Moses had a rod, and that rod was a type of the Word of God. That sword, Hebrews 4.12, is sharper than a two-edged sword. Huh? So what's coming out of his mouth is the Word. Amen. He's going to rule it with the Word. He's coming to rule the world with the rod of iron. There will not be no evil within that thousand-year reign. The devil's going to be bound. They'll study no war for that three for that thousand years. And it goes on, and it says, "And he treadeth the winepress. The winepress is when they treaded down the the grain, the grapes, in the winepress. They walked on it, caught, uh, you know, took it out." And processed it, and uh, it's a type of judgment. Wine press is a type of judgment. See what I'm saying? And it said, The wine press of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. In verse number 15, you're going to find the judgment that's going to take place down here, and God's going to do it in the Battle of Armageddon. Verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's not all of it. 
Verse 17 said, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great king, that you may eat the flesh of kings. Now who are all these people here? They're the people that's been on the Gentile rule and reign since Nebuchadnezzar. One generation falls, one empire falls, one kingdom falls, and another rises up. It's the same crowd we got today that's ruling over the land and the earth. Jews and Gentiles. And they're going to they're, they're going to be called to this battle. God's going to bring them in. We're behind Him. Going to bring them in. Verse 18, That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now what did it say there? Let's read that verse again. I don't think we got it. And I saw the beast. We know who the beast is. Got the beast, the false prophet, and uh, the dragon. That's going to be the rulers in the uh, tribulation time. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. That's the kingdoms of people who are rulers and ruling. And their armies. They're going to have armies with them. Gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, who is Christ. Right? Right. And against his army. Now who is that? Look at with me in verse number 14. And the armies which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses. Yeah. Is that plain enough? Yes, sir. That ain't adding anything or taking anything away from it, is it? The Bible said in verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Now I want to point out something right here that ought to be ironclad to anybody that denies that the church is going through any part of the tribulation. You didn't see it when I read over it. No, sir. No. Let's look at it. And the beast was taken up, or was taken and with him the false prophet. These are leaders, uh, the evil leaders of the tribulation that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. There it is. There's your key. He's the one that's made them, but the ones that's on the horses behind Christ does not have a mark of the beast Amen. that is the church. Amen. Why can't people see that? Huh? Ain't that right, Brother Tony? Right. And them that worshipped his image. We don't worship the image. No. 
we're in glory. Amen. And we're coming back with it. These both were cast alive in the lake of fire with brimstone. Now look. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now we find that the beast and the false prophet is taken in verse 20. And in chapter number 20, we find it the, the, that Satan, that the devil, the Antichrist, he's going to be cast into the bottomless pit in verse number 3 for a thousand years. Plain. And I don't understand why people would think today that the church is going through it. Which leads me to my next thought. And by the way, there are places where it talks about there's going to be fire. We talked about that when I was preaching it up here. And uh, they're going to be burned. See? So, is that, does that clear up some things for you? Yes. You said, well, I already believe that theory. Yeah, but you got you some more evidence. Amen. Now, I hear people talk about, I used to hear them talk about when I was starting to preach, when those 17 preachers we had in that church, I guess give that, fellow, that pastor a headache. We used to hear people talk about three words, and I don't hear them mentioned in the same manner, but they are there. We talk about people who are what they call themselves amillennialist or amillennial. Heard how many's heard that phrase? How many hadn't heard it? All right, amillennial. Then they had what they call premillennial. And uh, how many's heard that phrase? Okay. And then they had what they call post-millennial. I've experienced all three of those. I, I've, I've dealt with those people. It's a wonder I got it right. Because back when I first started off, the preachers preached on the Lord's coming. They preached on the second coming. But they didn't get involved in the pre-millennial, post-millennial, all-millennial. They just talked about it. And so, unless they specified a little bit, you wouldn't know what their, even, even, their view was on it. And uh, since then, uh, I've seen some of that fade out of sight. I've seen some of it come more. And now what I see is a mixture of a little bit of all of it what the devil does you know he likes to he don't like just uh, black beans he wants white beans too you know he wants to mix up everything oh that's right so what's happened now you you don't hear so much about premillennial uh, well you do hear I got a lot of people in but I'm talking about premillennial but then they come along and they classify that crowd as uh, pre-trib I didn't hear that, Tony, when I first started preaching. Nobody said I'm pre-trib. So some of these preachers come along and said, I'm so pre, pre-trib, I don't even eat post-toasties no more. That's what they'd say, knocking each other. And there was a little while where the uh, amillennials would fight the premillennials, the premillennials would fight the amillennials, and they'd both fight the post-millennials. And so I used to hear 
preachers on the radio preaching about I'm pre-millennial when it gets out, I'm post-millennial. And you just heard that all the time. And the church really was being confused. Nobody knew what was what. Because they didn't know that. So uh, I try to stay away from those terms, yet those terms are important. And you need to know the difference, but you don't really need to know the difference between the pre-post and, and amillennial. You just need to know what the Bible says, and that settles it. Amen. And, uh, and uh, putting the title on it don't make it one bit better. And uh, it don't make you more accurate by the title. Because you can say you're a Christian, and I can tell you I'm a giraffe. And, uh, and, I, and we both are on the same side. You said, I can tell you ain't a giraffe. I said, yeah, and I can tell you ain't a Christian. Because you don't right, live right. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, so we just fighting each other. We don't want to do that. We want to stay with it. Amen. Want to try to do what we can to get the gospel out. So we do need to know, and I'm going to look at that a little bit. We de- we do do need to know what a premillennialist is. We need to know what a postmillennialist is, and we need to know what. An amillennialist is. They varied some in, over the years, and they're not what they used to be, but I'll tell you what they are today. And you'll see, it. we've got a lot of amillennial churches in this area. I don't know where you know that or not. Brother Tony does. Preachers know them. And some of them I can't tell, but uh, can you, Brother Tony? No. Uh, I talked to their pastor and couldn't tell you. and Because uh, they don't know either. A lot of the pastors and pastors of these churches don't know. Uh, the reason I put pre-millennial up here on our signboard on the church, I was told not to do that. I was told by preachers, you'll mess up by doing that. And I said, no. They told me not to put King James on it. They told me not to put pre-millennial on it. And I said, but I want people to know what I believe before they come here. Because if they come here thinking I'm an all-millennial and I'm preaching pre-millennial doctrine, they're going to get mad at me. And Actually, they will get mad at you over them things like that when you shouldn't. Uh, if if you don't want to, if you don't believe that the church is going to be raptured out, I won't fall out with you. I just mark you off. I just say, look, you're going to be surprised one of these days, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll holler at you. I go up there yeah, if you're saved, yeah. you know. And so, and get on the other side. Nobody's going to be worried about what I am. So, but I do want to know what's right so I can teach somebody what's right. If I don't know it myself, suppose I didn't know where the Lord's coming uh, before, the, uh, uh, before the tribulation or if I thought He's coming in the middle of the tribulation or after it, then uh, how can I tell you the truth if I don't know it? And, uh, and how you, and then, then if you go down to town and they'll say, uh, what your preacher think about the second coming? Why, he's pre-millennial. Well, I want you to know what that is. I want you to be able to say he's pre-millennial. I, I don't want you saying, I really don't know what. Don't go out and tell. If you don't know what I am by now, just be quiet and come back and ask me. And I'll tell you what to tell them. Because if you tell them, I don't know what he believes, there's, there's two marks on me. I ain't told you the truth. Amen. And uh, you don't know the truth either. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I try to preach the whole round of this thing. 
But premillennial simply means that we're we're pre we're going out of here pre-tribulational. In other words, no tribulation. And I can give you scripture on that. And if I don't do it today, I'll do it soon. But I've done it before, and I'll do it. But it means that we're not going to face one minute of tribulation. And then we've got people that's in the same Baptist faith, some of them in the same churches. And uh, that's bad to have a congregation. Some of them are uh, pre-trib, and some are uh, mid-trib. Now, if you're mid-trib, it means that you believe that we're going through part of the tribulation. But at some point in time, the Lord is going to come and get the church and take us out of tribulation. Amen. And then if you're post-trib, what you're teaching is is that the church is not going through, I mean, it's, it's going to go through the tribulation and it's not going to be raptured before nor mid, but it's going to be raptured after the tribulation. And if you believe that, I want to see your scriptures. I know what they'll throw at you. I know what they'd, you would throw at me. But... You've got to find out what God says. And once you get that settled, you'll be all right. You've got the amillennialist. I'm not through all this. I'm just going to talk a while on it. But the amillennialist, I used to say, they'd say, Preacher, what is an amillennial? An amillennial, I'd say, they'll, you ask them about the second coming of the Lord, and they'll say, uh, uh, uh. And they can't tell you nothing. I call that an amillennial. Well, that's not the proper words for it. All millennial is simply saying, I do not believe in a rapture. Amen. And here's where they get all that. I'll I'll throw on them because I've done hammered on the priests so much that they know what it is and I don't have to, uh, most of you don't know that. This is something that we'll take a study on. It may, may be good to have it down here. But, uh, huh? Oh. But I'm going to the book of John. John's Gospel. See if I can find. Go please to chapter uh, 5 of the book of John. John's Gospel. And here's what the amillennials will believe. They don't believe that the rapture is going to take place. They believe that the earth, everybody is going up at the same time. It's going to get so evil that God's going to uh, pull the saints of God out. And they believe that we're all going through a general resurrection. Is that, do you know what I mean when I say general resurrection? We're all... It's not going to be a, a separation for the wickedness and the saints. They believe that the Lord's going to descend and we're all going up together. They don't believe in no tribulation. They believe that, uh, they well, they believe in a tribulation, but they don't believe that the church is going They believe that everybody's going through it. Understand? Now, here's where they get all this stuff. There's not. There's more than just what these three, right now. This this is why people are so confused. I've said this for months and months and years and years, really. 
that we are living in the most uh, ignorant, spiritual ignorant era that I've ever seen. People don't know nothing about the Bible. They've heard everything about the Bible, but they don't know what it actually says because everybody's got their own theology. This preacher's preaching that. Here we are in this county. We've got several premillennial churches, and we've got a bunch of amillennial churches. The amillennials will not have any kind of fellowship with the priests, will they, brother? No, okay. Uh, the amillennials won't preach in the premillennial churches. The premillennial preachers won't preach in the amillennial churches because they can't get along on the doctrines of the second coming. And so if you tell me where you're going to church, I'm going to automatically, and I guess t- Brother Tony does too, I'm going to automatically know what you believe there because I know the preachers. Uh, sometimes they'll visit your church, but sometimes they won't. And uh, they're they're lenient about coming. They're not lenient. They're they're very tight about coming to your church because you don't teach the same doctrine. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that, mm-hmm. and uh, I I really can. Matter of fact, there shouldn't be no separation because they ought to have the same doctrine. I done read that or said it a while ago about First Corinthians one ten. In John chapter five verse twenty eight. Look at these scriptures and look at them very carefully and very well. John says, Mar- or Jesus, I guess this is a red letter. Is this a red letter? Yes. Uh, I figure it is. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming. At Jesus' day, it had not happened yet. In the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Now, did you see that all? Mm-hmm. They'll, they, they major on it all. In other words, he's saying it's going to be at the same time. Now let's read some more. Uh, let's not take the scripture out of context. And shall come forth. In other words, all is going to come out of the grave at the same time. That's what they're teaching. They're seeing it from right there. And I can see where they can get that. But let's read on. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. That tells me there's two different resurrections. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right point blank. Point, yeah. yeah. Solid. See? So they'll they look at that. It's 5, 28 and 29. Yeah, 28. Though it says, for the hour is coming. They don't say it. It says he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that. It hadn't happened when Jesus right. spoke it, but it's going to happen. Is coming. Yeah. Well, they'll take that, and uh, they they don't think there's two resurrections. They think there's one, and so they follow that, and that's why they do that. It's because they look at that as as one resurrection, so they believe that the Lord's just going to come, and everybody's going to come out of the grave at one time. Well, everybody does come out at one time. They do, but but it's, there's two separations. We're gonna split you. All right, let's go look a little bit more and see if I can put a little more, bit more clarity on this. Um, did I say that there's two resurrections? Mm-hmm. If there's two resurrections, and let's see what it says over there. He said some of them's going to come out to the resurrection of life. 
and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now, one of them is a, is a resurrection of damnation, one's res, resurrection of life. Now, let's go back into uh, Revelation. Let's go to see if I can find the verse. I hadn't got this marked up before then, so I'm going to come to it. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 5 of chapter 20, But the rest of the dead live not again. Well, let's go back and back up one more. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. He said, this is the first resurrection. Mm -hmm. So now he's telling us there's more than yeah. one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these people, just they just don't study it. And let me see if I can find the other verse I'm going to try to. Well, it sounds like this resurrection was for the martyrs. Yeah, it was. Okay, but... Yeah, it was for the ones that didn't get the mark. Didn't take the mark. Right. There's the tribulation. Also, if you didn't take the mark. Yeah. As well. Okay, okay. Well, okay. no, it went on down, but it okay. comes down and says, "Let me see what it says." I'm going to try, try to find, see if I, I think it says the second resurrection. I want to show you that. Well, it's the second death. Second death. In verse fourteen. So, but they're going to be raised because it says in verse 11, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place there. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. So there they're going to be brought up again. Death, verse, verse 13, and death and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in it, and they were judged, every man according to his works. You see? And that's the second death. That's what that is. So the first resurrection is the saints of God. The second one is going to be these uh, others, the lost. Great white throne judgment. Y'all know the difference between the two judgments? We used to go to one of the churches and they had in their song, John saw the great white throne in heaven above. He saw the rainbow round it spread. That's lie. That's wrong. I've sung that song hundreds and hundreds of times. You see the great white throne judgment, but there's no rainbow around it. Chapter 4, there's a rainbow. Like in the side of an emerald. And that represents mercy. And that's where the saints of God stands. Thank God. Amen for that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. But uh, so they won't be no... So the old songwriters, sometimes they don't get it all right. They meant well. Amen. And so we see that. The ominous... Now what's the pre of the post-millennials believe? I've just touched a little... Post. They're going to go through the whole tribulation and then get raptured. 
Well, actually, they don't, they don't even talk about a rapture. Oh, that's right. There's no rapture at all. Yeah. No, they believe it. They're going to that everybody on the earth. That's what the government right now believes. That's why they're checking everything you're doing, trying to get you at the right place and get you to eat the right things and watching you re- and getting your health where it ought to be. They're going to fix it. To, that it's going to be like a utopia. We're going to make everybody eat well, uh, do well, and and that we're going to we're going to graduate into a perfect utopia. In other words, we're going. To, God's not even included. I, I run into a fella working on a public job back uh, years and years ago, and I worked at Clarksville Mills. So that's been a long time. And we was in the office and there talking, and and I said something to him about the Lord coming. He said, "Ah, oh, you you believe that?" I said, "Yeah, I sure do." And he said, "No." He said, "You don't read." Your, he went to the First Baptist Church here in Clarksville, and he said. Uh, What's going to happen? You got this all messed up. I was a young preacher, he, and he's trying to help me. He is a deacon, and he said, "What's going to happen is read your Bible." He said, "It's going to get better and better and better. We're going to get all things fixed in place, and uh, then uh, what's going to happen is it's going to get so good that we're going to have a utopia, and society is going to." Be okay, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be a perfect place to live. Hmm. And I said, I wish you'd hurry up. And now he's been dead for years and years and years. I wonder what he's saying now. And uh, so it messed up. It ain't got better. It's got worse. I, I did tell him this. The Bible says evil men, seducers, wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Long way from getting better. <laughs> yeah. Now, so we got uh, premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial, and then others don't even believe there's a millennium. Right. Have you ever seen them that don't even believe that there's going to be a kingdom on the earth? I have. Uh, there's no such thing as a kingdom on earth. We're all going to go to heaven. That's what. Yeah. yeah. The amillennials. They believe we're all going to go to heaven. They don't believe in a millennium. Huh? It's in the Word of God, though. They just open the book. That's what happens. Let me tell you, where we've come into trouble in America is the pastors, many of them don't study, and then when they do study, uh, they don't even carry a Bible to the pulpit. A lot of preachers, I've been to churches where a preacher didn't even have the Bible. Have you Have you ever told me? Uh-uh. I have. They'll borrow somebody's Bible off the front row. Imagine that, me coming to church over here and borrowing one of your Bibles to preach. That's how much he studies. Huh? That's how much he studies, I guess. Yeah. And so, but if you don't, I, I'm going to carry my Bible with me. I can't chop the devil's head off without a sword. And uh, so I'm saying it. We got it. We got people that don't believe in a, in a millennium. We got we got people that don't even believe in it. Some don't even believe in the tribulation. They say that we are going through the tribulation now. Have you ever had that yeah. told to you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like this. Did you know if you don't get saved, you don't call upon the Lord, don't get birthed in the family of God, you're going to go to hell. They'll say, I'm living in hell now. That's what they've told yeah. me. Yeah. I heard that. 
And people don't just believe about any. I said we're living in the most spiritual, ignorant yes, society that we've ever lived in. Yes, sir. And they don't want to change it. They're satisfied with what they got. Some of it goes back as far as Mama told me, Daddy told me, my Grandma told me. If my Grandma didn't go to heaven, there ain't nobody going to heaven. And my Grandma told me this. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Until they get sick and they need God or they have some kind of trouble, then they call on God. Yeah. Yeah, atheist. Uh, they always live an atheist book. Try to die uh, trying to find the right way. It's too late. They dress up and go somewhere. <laughs> At the end, don't they? <coughs> but I believe that, I believe they really believe something. Though. I do too. I can't believe that a, that a man or a woman can go through this life not believe that there's no God with the sun coming up every day and the sun setting every day. What have you seen extra about that, Tony? I just basically the same stuff. Yeah, I just I can't believe how anybody says they don't believe in nothing. Uh-uh. Yeah. I can't either. I can't see it all. It, it's 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 kind of it's sickening, ain't it, to see that now. Let's see, well, yeah, we've got a few more minutes. Let's see. Let me give you something here that to think on. Actually, to go home and study on. Dig out. The word tribulation. Now, tribulation can mean more than one thing. The word tribulation in the Bible is mentioned 22 times. Old New Testament. The word tribulations with putting the S on it is only mentioned in four verses. Four times. But now here's what I want you to notice. If it's saying tribulation, it can mean the seven years of tribulation. But it can mean something else. Because sometimes you and I think we're going through tribulations. We do have a a little bit of tribulation. It depends on what you want to call it. But none of us are going to face any of the tribulation that God's talking about in the Word of God. But He's got something He uses to specify that, to let you know the difference. And it's the word, two words, great tribulation. God marks it down in His great tribulation. is mentioned in three verses. I'm going to give you them three verses in a minute. And then it calls it something else in another place. So there's four verses. That's only referring definitely to the real great tribulation. I'm a a Bible word study nut. I believe God put those words in there. I believe they're divinely inspired. There's only four verses. Only four verses. I'm giving them to you. We're going to turn to them. Actually, read them. Matthew 24, 21. So turn there. And uh, this is how you can regulate what's happening. And uh, 
It'll help you a whole lot. Usually I'll take these verses. I don't think I've done it here on these. But sometimes I'll refer, uh, put the references at that place and keep it traveling. But in Matthew 24 and uh, verse number 21, notice what it says. It says, For then shall be great tribulation. And here's what he puts behind it. Such as was not since the beginning of the world. Telling you something different. To this time, no, nor ever shall be. See that? Mm-hmm. And it's got all that. All right. So it talks about the great tribulation. The great tribulation. So we see, see the difference? Mm hmm. The great, great tribulation means uh, the great part of the tribulation. And uh, so that, that's one of them. Number two. Number two is found in uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. So we'll turn there. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 22. This is to one of the churches. He says in verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. It's the second time it's mentioned. Then we come to Revelation 7 and 14. In chapter 7 and verse 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You can tell and know every time it causes great tribulation. It's the worst. It's the light, and I'll tell you what that is. It's the last three and a half years of the seven-year period. The whole seven-year period is called tribulation. But the last half of that is called the great tribulation. Does that make sense? Okay. Now let's turn to Jeremiah 30. When people say, I don't believe that there's such a thing as a tribulation, take them to this one. Jeremiah, chapter number 30, and verse number 7. You need to learn this where this one's at. You need to take them to this. I'm going to read three verses instead. I'm going to read from verse 8. No, what 7. Chapter, what chapter, preacher? 30. Okay. Jeremiah 30. Verse 7. 
It said, For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Now we went, I didn't get you this last week. I told some of you after the lesson's over. You remember, maybe that I mentioned to you that men travail with pain. And why does it say the men? Because this is a travail for the birth uh, of the the man-child. And it's called tribulation. And it's not just for the women for travail. It's for the men and women. That's why the men are included. That's verse 6. Chapter number 30, verse number 6. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. That wouldn't be too important, except now we've come to the day that uh, now we've got men, they say, that can have babies, you know. Now this all fits, don't it? <laughs> the devil knows this is going on. And, Know it was going on, and so he didn't. He had it already ready for us, didn't he? Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins, as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. In other words, it's men and women that are suffering uh, the travail or the pains of giving birth. That's tribulation. But look at verse 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. He. That's why she she gave birth. Israel gave birth to the Christ child, but she ain't had the pains yet. And the pains are the great tribulation. Y'all didn't know all I was in there till last month, did you? Huh? That's a good nugget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing to me that the people don't know this and they can't even enjoy it. <laughs> Woo, I not enjoy it. They won't see it. You don't hear that preach. That <laughs> they don't. I've just been wanting to where I've been all these years. They didn't preach it to me. I just ain't been where they were, somebody preaching it. They kept my eyes covered, Brother Tony. Yes. Kept us in the dark, ain't they? The yes. devil's done that to us. No. And, well, it, it basically goes back to Daniel. God said to Daniel, shut the book up. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm sure Daniel was getting some flack off of it in his day. We're living in a time when people don't want anything about the King James Bible. That's right. Just about a month or two ago in, I think it's Nashville, or see the Nashville, Knoxville, Nashville, I suppose. I think it's Nashville. That one pastor held his Bible up, uh, King James Bible, and he said, I want you to know that this book is not beneficial in our society anymore. Baptist Church. Huh? Did he say what would be official? No, it said it's an archaic book, and it's not 
it, it don't have no trues much in it. Trucks. No, <laughs> really. Well, God ain't gonna. No, it, he he's gonna strike him down. Yeah, sooner or later. At his pointed time. Due time, yeah. right? I'm glad God is different than me. Amen. I mean, people done that, and I'd be God and whack our head off right then. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's what we want to do, but that's not what God wants us to do. Right. Just like I started off a while ago, you see somebody causing trouble, God didn't say kill them. He just said avoid them. Right. Yeah. Get away from them. Get away from them. God speaking to his very own. And that's what we're to do. Amen. All right. Got a question? Anybody? I don't know as I can answer it, but I'll try. We'll go search it out. Son, there's something else. We're talking about tribulation. We talked about great tribulation. And we talked about Jacob's trouble. Just showed it to you. And there's some more places about Jacob's trouble, by the way. I will go back to... Um, Matthew 24, I I, want, I, didn't, I meant to get it when I was there a while ago and I forgot it. Matthew 24, take me longer to get to them now, must be getting tired. Matthew 24, all this before Matthew 20, or in 24, the first portion of it. But you want to know where the last half of the tribulation starts? You're not going to be here. But you want to see where it's at in the Bible? The Bible talks about wars, rumors of wars, all that. So this is just the beginning of sorrows. But when the Antichrist is going to be revealed, it will not be to chapter 24, verse number 15. Now we read a while ago, verse 21. And this represents the last half of the tribulation. So verse 15 says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. I'm studying, and I, or I'll bring it in one of these lessons or I'll preach it. But I'm studying on the abominations of the Bible. It's tough. An abomination is something that makes God sick. So the first thing that comes to your mind is lukewarm churches make God sick. He says it. Something that makes is an abomination is something that makes you sick on your stomach. It makes you queasy. It tires you up on the inside. Makes you mad. God has an anger. He's not a God of love, but everybody says he is. He's a God of love, sure. But everybody thinks God's too good to cast anybody in hell. I've been told that so many times. God is too good, too loving to cast anybody in hell. And I say, absolutely, you're right. And I haven't found in the Bible where God cast anybody in hell. God just gives them their wishes. Because they have chosen against him. You say, well, God cast them into hell. Yes, he does in that sense. 
but he, he's left no, no alternative. You trample God's Son under your foot and deny Him the right in your heart as a Savior. That's the only sin that you can't get forgiveness for. That's trampling God's Son under His feet. Right? He sent His Son to die on the cross of Calvary to give you eternal life. He's begged and pleaded with you. He sent you preachers. He's given you churches. He's given you a Bible. He's given a Holy Spirit. And God is doing everything He can to plead with you and beg with you not to refuse Him. But if you do it, God will say, Depart from me, you weak workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And you won't blame nobody but yourself in hell. Amen. But here's where it's at. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. What's that? That's actually the Antichrist. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. And that's when he sets himself up as a king. And that's that's the Antichrist has taken over. I don't have time and I'm, I'm tired and I'm not going to do it. But I, I, right here is where I was going to put in the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse. And I'll have to come back to that. How about had enough, ain't you, Brother Tony? Sure. About had enough, ain't you? No, I'm... I'm that wasn't a, a loaded question. I wasn't doing that pick on you. Amen. But uh, we were going to quit right there. I appreciate you folks coming. I enjoy the studies. Amen. A little more, I'm going to try to keep doing this to where we get deeper every single time. You dump it all at one time. You can't. Uh, I, blo- I don't want to blow your mind, or you can't. Yeah. And I got to go back and stock the wagon myself. <laughs> I forget. I forget so much. The older I get, the more I forget. Amen. All right. Let's pray for our churches tomorrow. Let's pray for each other. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tolerating and putting up with us. And I pray the hand of mighty of the mighty God might touch us today and use us for His glory and honor. So let's pray. Father, we come indeed close to You this morning thanking You that we have a privilege. We have an opportunity. And Lord, it's indeed been a good study this morning and I thank You for that. Yes, Lord, I pray that You will keep Adding the Word of God to our heart, making us strong in the Lord and the power of your might. Lord, may we be what we need to be for your glory, bringing glory and honor to you. Lord, we ask that you touch the churches that's represented here this morning. I pray you touch them tomorrow from Sunday school to the close of day, and we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. We commit it to you today. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every soul here today. Lord, if there's one under our voice that hasn't been saved, I pray, God, you will convict them, help them to see themselves as a sinner. Lord, we're not here today to 
point out what we know, but God, we're here to try to win somebody to the Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And Father, give us a pleasure to know that one, Lord's been taught enough to give them the attention that they need to their soul, that they wouldn't die and go to hell. We'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let me give you one more thing to pray about. Uh, this is something uh, I've told this to one or two. I, I have a kind of a little Bible study at, at McDonald's, not every morning, but many mornings. Sometimes I don't get that Bible study. Brother Tony comes sometimes. Sometimes you do and you don't. It's the men, they've got to be in the mood, and sometimes they're not in the mood of hearing anything right. Really? Yeah, but but when things happen, sometimes they, they, they're willing to hear something. They want to hear it. And uh, we got one, and I know you know him. Um, um, what's his name? That uh, MacNab. You know MacNab. He sits in there. I've been praying for him for a long time. I like the man. He's not. Uh, he's not outspoken or nothing. But I told him that Billy Burroughs preaching for us Sunday night. He said he is. I said yes, sir. He is. He says I'd like to come and hear him. Amen. Well, that don't bother me if you don't want to come and hear me. I I get him up there. But anyhow, he says, I want to come. I said, when well, he said, when does it start? I said, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. He said, I come. Okay. Well, last night, I saw him at Ingalls. And he spoke and hollered at me. He said, hey. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, I'm coming Sunday night. I said, good. He says, I went and bought me some clothes. And he said, he said, uh, and he had his overalls on. I said, you could have come in them overalls. He said, do I have to shave? I said, no, you don't have to shave. I said, well, we got, if I make him shave, I have to make your bell shave. <laughs> I said, no. And he said, he said, oh, okay. I said, I'll have a suit on, and Brother Burl will have a suit, but I doubt there'll be another one in there with a suit on. And I said, we're, I said, we're not that, uh, we're, we're not that, uh, I had a word for it, I want to say. We're not a fancy church, that's what I said. We're not a fancy church. And he said, okay, I'll see you. So now listen, ladies and gentlemen. And he comes in looking like a booger bear. Just, just don't pay no attention to him. Amen. The man needs God. He needs God. Don't he? And so, one or two, we get one here, one there. So I just thought I'd mention that to you. Remember. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Amen. Love you. Love you with all my heart.